Of course, we hit record and you have to pipe up. She doesn't give a fuck. Your child. Shut up. I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> I am. I was going to say. Cat mom's aggressive today. Your child. Shut the fuck up. I love you. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I want to say that to some people's children sometimes, but. Nah, it's definitely really only been only a couple been months. A few months. This is why lesbians like U haul, because y'all think it's longer. <laughs> Welcome to episode 27 of Sibling Rants. It's your big brother, Andrew. And your little sister, Bronwyn. And as we sit here in our home of Kitchener, Ontario, I almost said on Zoom. Wow. <laughs> We're not on Zoom. As we sit here in our home <laughs> in Kitchener, Ontario, we are reminded that these lands are the traditional home of the Haudenosaunee, Anishinaabe, and neutral peoples, and that Waterloo Region is located within Treaties 3, 4, and the Haldeman Treaty. We recognize and deeply appreciate their historic connection to this region, and we also recognize the contributions Indigenous peoples have made in shaping and strengthening strengthening this community. We are grateful for the opportunity to create on these lands together and reaffirm our commitment to truth and reconciliation in our community. That we are. I am also eternally grateful to have a super amazing roommate slash sister who has been nothing but a beacon of support for me the past couple weeks. Aww, I love you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so, you've been supportive to me when I need it, so. Yeah, I I mean, that's. Plus, emotions are, don't scare me. <laughs> More importantly, emotions suck. Yeah, emotions do suck. Uh, so, some of y'all have been waiting a little bit for a bit of an explanation <laughs> here, uh, and I'm, I'm finally in a headspace to be able to talk about it. Last episode, I alluded to the fact that it had been a bit of a week for me, and I had had a bit of a tough go, and the... Long and the short of it is my partner and I split. We are no longer together. It's been a rough couple of weeks mm-hmm. because it wasn't a clean cut thing. Uh, and I have learned very quickly this week that, or these past couple of weeks that like, it's almost worse when you don't have anything to be angry or upset about and that you still care about the person mm-hmm. And, like, that there's nothing to definitively separate that. And that makes it exponentially harder to process through and deal with. So, this week we're going to be talking about what healthy relationships look like, what they need to look like, uh, and kind of discuss some of the shortcomings uh, within my own recent relationship. Because this is not only good information for people to have, but this will be pseudo-cathartic for me to kind of work and process through things. Yeah, and I think, like, having discussions about relationships, the more experience we have with them, especially within LGBT relationships, is important. Like, what you're going through now is very similar to a relationship that ended for me last year, and, you know, I think that there's takeaways from from both of them that's, uh, you know, good to share. And also cathartic to share, and yeah, yeah, and I, I like, and I will also preface this by saying too, because I know he does still listen mm-hmm. to this. This is not to shit on him. No, this this is not an episode to to rag on him or tell say that he was an awful person or things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, ultimately, and again, the the thing that made it hard is that it was mutual between the two of us because we both did things that ultimately just ended up not working out well for either of us to be in a relationship. One of our biggest things, and I guess this is where we're going to start the conversation for us, was communication. Well, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel what? that. But, but, sorry, thought in my head is, yes. I just read something recently, because I, I do agree, but I read something recently that was saying, your problem is not communication, it's comprehension. And it literally, like, blew my mind, because 
I thought about it and I went, everything in my past relationships that has not worked out has not been because of my lack of communication because I am actually very communicative. The issue that arose was their lack of comprehension of what I was trying to communicate. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God. True. But I, I feel like when you're having these kind of discussions though, that it still falls under the communication bracket because comprehension from the other end is still part of the communication. Yeah, but it's just like, it doesn't, when you say it, the problem is communication, or at least in my head, when I look at it as like the problem is communication, it is missing out on the fact that sometimes the communication piece is there. It's just that you guys don't, com- or like we or whatever, don't communicate in the same way and we don't comprehend each other. Like my first, like, re- my first like real relationship, I was kind of introducing communication into it and just being like communication is important i want to talk things through and i found out near the end that my communication piece wasn't being heard or comprehended it was being viewed only in the way in which she interpreted it and then she would hold on to that for months and i would just find out later that she had heard something i'd said completely the wrong way right so i think like it was interesting to read that, like, your re- issue isn't communication, it's comprehension, because it really made me go, yeah. Like, yes, that all does lump under communication, but the comprehension piece is huge. Oh. And it's it, one that I don't generally, or didn't generally think about. It yeah. totally is. I, I, for me, and again, <laughs> as we've stated before, mm-hmm. I'm a bit of an odd, oddball in my thought patterns. We know that. I, I'm <laughs> not the norm, but for me, communication is the entirety of, and that includes both sides. Mm-hmm. So that is not only what you yourself are expressing, but it's what the other person's hearing and what their actions are on it. And sometimes, you know, it's communication also boils down to lack thereof. So our problem, oh God, there's, there's a few of them, but within the communication realm. So the first thing we had gone through in our relationship was the fact that the two of us were dear, very different people in terms of how we handled situations. I'm the kind of person who doesn't like to let things sit. I would rather tackle them head on. I mean, I can respect a little bit of space to calm yourself, but for the most part, I'm like, no, let's get this dealt with. Let's let, you know, let's sort things out. And he wasn't, he's the kind of person who needs copious amounts of time to process. And and ultimately I never ended up finding that balance. I never really figured out how much time was enough time. Yeah. Well, and that's communication piece that that did falter, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. that, you know, uh, and I, and, and I do think that, like, and this is, again, I know this is not to shit on your ex. I don't think negatively of your ex. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that that was a lack of communication on his part and a lack of comprehension on his part because it was more about, and from what I saw, it was more about how how much space and time he needed without actually taking the time to do that work yeah. to come back to you with it. And that was the hard part. And that's very much related to trauma right yeah um and and unresolved life trauma and, and things like and not having the tools to do that because your past traumas never helped you develop them yeah this so we're gonna bounce around a little bit with yeah. this episode too because this is also going to incorporate mental health because yes. uh that also played a significant factor uh on my relationship mm-hmm. and i will i will stress this now for anyone listening if you or your partner in your relationship have at any point thought that you're going to need counseling and you haven't sought it out for whatever reason, do it. Yes. For the love of all that is holy, please do it. Oh my god, we have this stigma that, like, you only need therapy or counseling if you're getting real bad. So people leave it until they get into a really tough spot in their relationship 
also in, in their everyday life as individual people. But I think, I think in particular in relationships, we just, we believe that we should be able to make it work. And then counselors are for when things get really bad or therapists are for when things get really bad to help you sort through. But a lot of the time when you've reached a point where things are that bad, the counselor or the therapist is really not going to be really helpful at that point because you've already harbored all these like internal thoughts about it and these resentments and these big feelings and these, and it's really, really hard then not to take things personally on both sides of the relationship. Yeah. And that's one of the things that like, I've talked to people about this before, but there is no shame in getting couples therapy early on when things are good, you know, or, or if things feel good or things feel generally okay or whatever, like that, there's no shame in that because when you start to develop those tools early, it helps you when things do start to get bad. And that's, and that's what these professionals are designed to do yeah. is also help give you those tools that you may not readily have yeah. on your own. You know, I'd like to think I'm a fairly open-minded individual and try to be a good ear to people. I've had people tell me that I should become a therapist <laughs> because of how I process through things yeah. and whatnot. Um, but I, I fully admit, I don't have all the answers. I'm not a professional. I, I have sought therapy in the past and I strongly recommend it to anyone and everyone. Yeah. And, and that's just it is a, a therapist is someone who can also help you discover the tools while things are good to continue the good communication. And I know that it's not readily accessible for everybody, which is problematic, and that's capitalism. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's well, look, always, always capitalism. It's capitalism again. Right? It was capitalism all along. Exactly. <laughs> Hear that in WandaVision styles. Uh, <laughs> Disney, don't come at me. Oh <laughs> so, but it, there are ways especially in emergencies. If you're lucky, there are some workplaces. Um, but even look around in your local cities. There are resources available through, uh, I know within Kitchener-Waterloo region, like Lutherwood mm -hmm. will help you with things. Ultimately... KW Counseling has options too. Yeah. When, when, I, when my relationship ultimately broke down uh, and my partner did finally, that gave him the push to start seeking help, he just reached out to CMHA, which is the Canadian Mental Health Association. And I mean, obviously therapy right now looks different mm -hmm. than it has in the past because of COVID and yeah. you can't go in person. Uh, and that almost worked out advantageously in this case because it meant that he had someone to connect with by the phone. Yeah. And there, there are people who, who can help with a variety of ways. Uh, if you are someone who struggles with anxiety or depression mm -hmm. or ADHD or uh, anything that may impede your thinking process your emotional processing in any capacity honestly literally just anybody, anybody. literally literally any anyone and everyone <laughs> the but and also remember too though that like therapists are not a one-size-fits-all no and also remember that like despite the fact that because i've struggled with this despite the fact that you may have had a good or a bad upbringing or whatever therapy is good you do have traumas in your past right like regardless of how you feel about your life you, we are all inherently traumatized people. And actually like something that I've realized as I've uh, entered my thirties is that I have actually some significant trauma from like my parenting. That's not related to my parents being bad parents. They were actually all things considered really good parents, <laughs> but there's still, you know, money traumas and things like that, that I developed from my dad and, and things like that, that I didn't recognize until now. And it's one of those, like I would have, if you told me 10 years ago, 
that uh, my dad was a trauma piece for me, I would have denied it outright because I had, you know, I, I just, I looked at my past as, well, I had it really good. My parents were really equal. And, you know, when they, they may not have been meant to be married, but they were good parents and they, they both decided not to bring their own uh, family trauma down the line to my sister and I, and we were really lucky for that and blah, blah, blah. And I always, you know, would talk about these things and I still do, but I used to kind of gaslight myself with that and kind of tell myself that I was okay and didn't have traumas because of that because they weren't as quote-unquote significant as other people's family traumas growing up with narcissistic parents and 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 generational abuse and 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 whatnot but just because I'm relatively okay due to the parenting that I did have does not mean that I don't have traumas and that's the thing I'm learning now and I think this is one of the biggest pieces like once you start doing any sort of trauma work and working with therapists in any sort of way you really start to look at the world based on trauma like I know that I do like every time I look at people or relationships that are failing or whatnot I can see the trauma lines and I go whoo things are clashing this is not good and I think that it's important that more of us do this work and become more trauma-informed even just with ourselves and we can acknowledge that we have privilege, but that also meant that certain things were traumatizing for us that might not have been for somebody else. Yeah. Right? And like, and this is also yeah. when we get into our discussions, like what we had mentioned the other week is like little T traumas versus big yeah. T traumas. There are things that you may not think of. I, in examining myself on the outskirts of this relationship now, I realized that, and I, I mean, I've always kind of known it and I've always cracked jokes about it to an extent, but my habit of being the support for everyone else and trying to be there for everyone else was really damaging to me in this relationship yeah, because yeah. I have a really hard time mm -hmm. expressing my own emotions. Yeah. Um, also, this is going to be an emotional episode. Um, <laughs> it's been a couple of weeks, so I might be able to get through a lot of it talking, but like, if it sounds like my voice is shaking and whatnot, it's, I'm, I'm still processing. I'm only, you know, two and a half weeks out of this. So it's, it's a lot to go through, but yeah. you know, in in this case, like I have a really, really difficult time opening up to people and, and expressing my feelings because my thought process is I already know what you're going through and I already know what your struggles are. Why would I burden you with what I have? Oh my God. We are the same. <laughs> it's, it's, and it's, it, you know, I did that in my relationship last uh, year, my first, my first relationship last year. I, d I did that. Well, and a little bit in my second, it was that. It was, I, and my friend Lexi, I now say it all the time because my friend Lexi kept saying it to me. She's like, you got to stop gaslighting yourself. And that's what that is. It's that, you know, I'm constantly aware that other people have more significant big T traumas in their life that are not the same as mine. Right. And so I sit there and I go, well, I get that they're acting this way because of their trauma. I want to give them space to learn through that. And I, and I miss the mark for when they are refusing to do that work and I keep making excuses for it and I keep putting myself aside for it. And it gets to that point where then my wick runs out and I've got nothing left. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard. And like, I've, I've always shouldered a lot. I mean, even, and this, I've, the worst up until now, the worst event of it that I experienced was when my old roommate and friend took his life. Yeah. And I had to be the one to make the calls to everybody. Yeah. And they all came over and we all kind of, you know, we gathered our friends around and stuff. And it wasn't until a solid 12 hours after the fact where I had helped everybody else and whatnot before I finally allowed myself yeah. to process the emotions. Uh, and 
it's damaging. It's really damaging, especially in a relationship because, and, and again, this, this jumps back to the communication thing because then what happened was I lacked the ability to express to my partner what was bothering me because mm-hmm. I knew how much of his shit was bothering him. Yeah. You know, and, and part of that too also was the fact that I, I spent a lot of time making and and you pointed this out to me too is the fact that i i was constantly trying to have the headspace for his stuff as well as my own and a lot of the problems is when you're shouldering someone else's problems it also becomes a coping mechanism so you you have a tendency to lean into the other person's problems more which means you don't process your own you put their problems first and you're constantly being trying to be aware of their situation yes. and whatnot yeah. and, and not yeah. allowing yourself to feel things. Like it wasn't until at, like the third time talking after we broke up where, before I finally managed to actually like acknowledge my own hurt yes. to him yeah. because I had to let go of a lot of that and let go of what was bothering him and finally say what was bothering me. Yeah. I couldn't say that in our relationship because I was constantly worried about his anxiety and how it would make him spiral. Yes. And uh, so I had to process everything and figure out how can I best say this? What is the best way to go about approaching this? Uh, How is he going to end up taking it? How am I going to be prepared to deal if he does take it and run with it? Like I always had to be so many steps ahead and at no given point could I ever tell that to him. And I mean, there's a part of me that wonders if I had just allowed myself to be blunt if that would have changed things sooner yeah it's hard to know i mean it could have i mean ultimately yes it would have changed things but we don't know how right well yeah it could have ended things sooner and or it could have forced him to be like oh yeah shit i need therapy like it's hard to know right and it's and and i mean that's those are part those are the grief pieces that we carry with us after a relationship ends it's all of that like you know what if i had done this sooner what if i had been a little bit more myself what if i had been able to say no what if i had been able to say yes you know like what what if i had been able to overcome some of this anxiety what you know like there's so many what ifs i've gone through all of them and i told him this too over the course of our relationship i'm really bad again because i internalize a lot of my things i my brain will spin just as quick as someone who does have outwardly expressed anxiety. The difference is, is that I don't have the crippling factors Mm -hmm. that go with it. So it's not like my day stops because, and it's just, and again, this falls under that really, that gross term that we kind of talked about last week in the quote unquote high functioning. Um, (laughs) But again, there, I, I don't have a better way to coin it in this case, but it's just like, I, my world doesn't stop even though my brain is spinning rapidly. And of course I work a fucking job where I have nothing but time on my hands to think all day. So I promise you, I go through every scenario, good and bad in my head. I just think you're better at masking those things, you know, like too good. Yeah. I mean, me too too, though. Like my close friends and family will always know that I'm spiraling because I reach out to them. I have learned in my life to reach out to them and be like, is this normal? Should this be happening? Like, this person said this. Like, what are the, you know, like, so those people know that I spiral. But other people would have no idea. I feel like I still have a threshold that's too far by most standards before I will intentionally reach out to people. Like, I've gotten better at it. I mean, 
You have no choice with me because we live together now. We, we live together. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, you see, you experience in real time when I'm going through things. But, like, I have made efforts to make sure that I reach out to Erin, my best friend, mm-hmm. and talk with her. And, you know, kind of make use of the resources. Because I yeah. do I do have the benefit and the, I acknowledge and the privilege yeah. that I have of in being there for so many other people. I do have a network that I know yeah. would reliably be there for me. Yeah. I am beyond blessed to have a number of people in my life that I could call close friends. And I know I could call with anything. And yet I have a lot of essentially traumas that force me to box it up. And I don't want to be there or don't want to appear as a burden to other people. And I know that they won't see it that way. Uh, but unfortunately, this is that's that is a little bit it's, of anxiety behind it, it yeah, too. Where it's, it's hard to not see it that way. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like because yeah. anxiety brain does not play with logic. Any yeah. of you who have anxiety know it. They do not emotions play emotions with... in general. Don't play with logic. No, it I, doesn't play by any rules. I tell people all the time that like so. Actually, when I got my ADHD testing, uh, one of the things the guy said to me or the psychologist said to me, he was like, "You know, you were hard to test." And I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and he was like, "Your logic is very high." Which is why the, it, it, it comes across as though you don't initially have ADHD. And I was like, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm not talking about math logic. I'm talking about, like, social logic. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, you, like, you can rationalize but, a lot Yeah, exactly. And one of the things, and, and I feel like a lot of that is fairly self-taught just growing up in the environment that I did. But, but one of the problems in my brain, this is the piece that I talk about a lot, is that my logic and my emotions are always sitting at the same level. I'm very, if anybody's done the true colors personality test, I'm very green and blue. And the, 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 the that the, one's totally lost on okay. me. Okay. <laughs> Let me explain it a bit because I feel like mentioning it on a podcast and then just like fucking off is probably not the best thing. So if the, I'm confused, the, I hope there's enough of the you that true are. true colors test, it's, it's just a, it's a silly little person. It's one of those like silly little personality tests. Like that, a Myers-Briggs-ish. But, like, way more generalized. Like, uh, not... Yeah. So, it's just four colors. There's blue, green, orange, and gold. And gold is much more, like, um, type A, very hyper-organized, very meticulous. Uh, orange is very, like, I'll do things last minute and I don't really care. I'm very spontaneous and whatnot. Green is very, like, logical and methodical with the with the logic. And then blue is emotions, right? That's kind of, like, the, the gist of it, right? And I, I generally am battling between my green and my blue. So my logic and my emotions. My logic is very often able to just, like just get a little bit higher to curb everything and be like, you're fine. Everything is okay. But every now and then, especially when I like somebody or when I'm dating somebody or whatever, my emotions like to poke up and be like, ha, hey. And my logic's like, what are you doing? My emotions are like, okay, but we like this person and they're doing these things and we don't know what it is. So we're just freaking out. And my logic is like, okay, but like, that makes no sense to me because all of these things and my emotions are like, yeah, no, 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 fuck those things. Um, we don't know what to do. <laughs> and so it's this like constant battle in my brain, but I actually think it's pretty relevant to like the things that I experience. Cause I like when, it, especially when it comes to like the emotions of like realizing you like somebody or being in a relationship or whatnot, because the anxiety there is so much higher because of the way that we're attaching ourselves to this person and because of the way we want to spend our time with this person and, and whatnot. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, like I just I lose complete control of the logic part. Like, yeah, and I and 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 then my emotions just kind of take over. But it is a really interesting balance that I well <laughs> balance. It's usually more balanced than it. 
is well, and, in and relationships. <laughs> I feel like, and that's probably why we get along, because I'm a lot of the same yeah. way. And the worst part of that is when you have people like that, those are your people who are, quote-unquote, self-aware. Yes. And being self-aware in these situations sucks so fucking hard, yes. I can't even begin to it's describe. Like, it's like watching yourself self-destruct and not being able to do anything about it. Literally. <laughs> Watching everything happen. I can put logic. I had conversations with friends and I could yeah. see the rationale behind it. And yet I couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. I could. Th no, there was nothing. Exactly. Like I, I know and I can sit here in retrospect and I can see. I, I know full well that like, yeah, he, in, in this case, his lack of uh, wanting to deal with problems and mm -hmm. communicate them to me. Yeah. Drove a lot of things, but it also drove me to communicate less. Yeah. And that's just, like, the whole communication breakdown was ridiculous. Because, like, when I was communicating, he wasn't necessarily hearing or understanding. Yeah. Then I'd get worried that he wouldn't t was going to take it a certain way, so I'd shut down and I wouldn't communicate. Yeah. And then in me not communicating, it drove his anxiety further because then I wasn't saying things, so yeah. he was pulling strings. Yeah. And it's, like... But in a lot of ways, and, and I know that this is, like... This is the hard piece, right? Is that your ex is a lovely human being, right? But those are things that unfortunately, and yes, those are some things that you can work on as well. But unfortunately, those are things that were very triggered by his inability to approach his own traumas and to process those, right? Yeah. Because it meant that there was no room for more in-depth, more personal conversations about these things. No. Well, and I mean, it... it, it manifested physically as well too because uh, when we got talking afterwards one of his problems was our lack of physical intimacy and i struggled with i i can't even begin i i'm so okay i'm slowly beginning to try and wrap my head around like where that did stem from with me because he's not wrong yeah he's not wrong in that we weren't physically intimate that i was my, my actions did read mm -hmm. to him exactly the way he was processing. Yeah. Like, I can't fault him for it. I see 100% where he's coming from. And, like, I can put some of the rationale behind it to it being reactionary. But it's like, where where did it stem from? What did it stem from? And, like, because I'm, I'm very much the person that I know when it comes to relationships, seldom is it one-sided. I mean, obviously, there are circumstances where it is very much one-sided if a yep. partner is abusive or just truly a manipulative person. But a lot of times when you're just, when you're a couple that's having arguments and having trouble, like yeah. there is probably both sides of that. And I never, and, and again, this is what part of my problem was, is I never wanted to invalidate his feelings or concerns, but in doing so, I never found a way to truly express my own. And I shouldered everything. And again, it like, it's it's awful. If you're the kind of person who does it, like, it, truly start putting in the work now before it is damaging to you later. Uh, because I have a wild amount of patience. More like <laughs> more than most people. <laughs> Definitely more than me. I really, really do. <laughs> to, the, to the point that it is problematic yeah. to myself at some points. Um, but the other problem is, is that when that patience runs out, it's, gone. it's really hard for me to climb back from that. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting hearing you speak about this. And like, I know that I, we've talked about this before, but it's, so, I mean, the first part, 
you mentioned about the intimacy. I actually do the same thing when I'm really, when I'm in a relationship where things are struggling, I actually really struggle with the intimacy part because I need to feel connected to my partner to enjoy the intimacy. Now that could just be me, but like that is very much a piece for me is that like, well, I'm not going to enjoy this if we're fighting about something or if there's tension or if there's like, and I know that there are some people who can just be like, well, fuck the tension. Let's just, let's just fuck. <laughs> Who cares? But I, yeah, I'm I don't, not, when I don't I'm understand. When I'm emotionally attached to somebody, I can't do that. I can't separate those things. I don't understand angry sex. No. I've, <laughs> I've, I've realized that. <laughs> yeah. I, I am That's now fair. realizing yeah. this because I just, I yeah. don't have an extensive back history of relationships. This yeah. was actually my second relationship yeah. since coming out when I was 16 because hookup culture in the gay community is yeah. rampant and ridiculous. And that is an entirely separate tangent. <laughs> yep. But I just, I don't have a lot of that. So I don't. Yeah. I'm still learning oh my God, a lot yeah. about myself in relationships. And, and uh, <laughs> one thing that comes out of this is I don't get angry sex. I don't understand. It's yeah. like, you know what? I know some people are all for it. Angry sex. They're like, yeah, that's the best part. Makeup <laughs> sex. Fuck yeah. And it's like, eh? Yeah, I feel like, I don't know. I mean, it depends on the relationship, right? But there's, I feel like in some respects, though, you can have makeup sex, but you have to have the conversation first. And then yeah. the makeup sex is just the point where you're like, okay, let's release the rest of this tension. Let's just get it out. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, there are some people who probably just enjoy angry sex as it is, and that's fine. But it's just, yeah, it's not... I know I definitely struggle with that. It yeah. Is that, like, I can't... Uh, like, I remember with my first ex of 2020, she was very similar in terms of her traumas, right? Like, I mean, her and, and your ex both have very similar might be very different traumas but very similar reaction to it like how they've developed from it um very likely some like undiagnosed mental health stuff and 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 whatnot family very likely undiagnosed well but like undiagnosed mental health is stuff that is a direct cause from abusive family and yeah and whatnot and uh but we went to vancouver right before covid hit and it was a whole thing. It was a, you know, I had, I had just come off of a year where I hadn't been working because I'd lost my job and, and I had just started in a new job and I didn't have any money and I, and, and she wanted to go to Vancouver and I said, Vancouver is expensive. I can only go with you if it's paid for. I can't, I can't afford it. And she was like, yeah, yeah, that'll be no problem. Whatever. It ended up being a big problem <laughs> because her trauma comes from her mom being financially abusive. And then she was financially abusive to me on that trip. And when we were there, on top of, on top of lying about the reason, like, about us being there to, like, her mom had no idea that she was there with me, and she had said that she was there with a school group, and it was whole thing. And then I was like, oh, so I don't exist on this trip then, this trip that was specifically for you and me as a couple. And I did not feel like I wanted to connect with her physically at all on that trip, which was upsetting, because I had gone onto this trip thinking, like... This is a time where we finally have space away from anything that causes her trauma, uh, away from anything in my life that's that's more difficult, like, so that we can just have intimate time together. And then that was ruined <laughs> by the fact that, like, oh, I, we are here, I'm here on false pretenses, and I'm uncomfortable, and now I don't feel like being intimate at all, because now I'm upset. And then trying to deal with that caused a lot of things to come out of the framework because she was uncomfortable by having to have the difficult conversations. And I was like, why am I being forced to have this difficult conversation? You know, like this is frustrating. So it was, yeah, like I just, I can't, 
I can't just overcome that to enjoy intimacy. I have to be able, like for me, the intimacy comes from feeling connected to my partner. Yeah. And if I feel disconnected at all, I can't enjoy that. Yeah. And I know that like he, he was very much the same in the sense or, or in needing physical touch. So, and then of course that gets down into love languages. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we never really put in the work and, and that's on both of us. We never put in the necessary work to truly understand and appreciate the other's love language yeah. because sometimes it's not just about how you communicate it's how your partner communicates and how best for you to receive that yeah. so that you can kind of meet somewhere in the middle my love language primarily is acts of service mm. acts of service and maybe words of affirmation are my secondary yeah. his is physical touch mm -hmm. very much that's that is very much his primary is physical touch and i'm I was there, but like in, we both came from very different histories and experiences within the gay community yeah. because he was still closeted yeah. for much of our relationship, which was a, another problem to slowly unpack. It, you know, me being out since I was 16 and, and him not until much later than life. And even then still not truly out. It was only to a select handful mm -hmm. of people. That was another barrier between the two of us and it was a tough one to get past because I would want to hold his hand like that. That's an intimacy to me is holding my partner's hand and just being able to, you know, be comfortable with them in a public setting. Yeah. And that was something we couldn't do. And yeah, that was also for me, like that was a, a way that I wanted to express my love that I like to express my same, love for an individual. Yeah. Um, That's so interesting though, because to me that, that falls under physical touch. It's just a different level of physical touch. Like I think, I think within within love languages, there's also different layers of, of that. right. Because like for me, hand hand holding and like cuddling things like that. Like I really enjoy those with a partner. I'm actually very much a don't touch me person outside of that. But with a person that I trust in a relationship or in a, in a dating situation, those are the things I want. Yeah, and. I think especially in the relationships where those are things that I was immediately being deprived of because they were either closeted or they weren't fully comfortable being out in public yet or whatever. Right. Yeah. But yeah, those are, but I'm also, but weirdly enough, physical touch, physical touch when it comes to being like to like sexual intimacy is not as big on my, on my list. Whereas I much it, prefer the handholding and the cuddling. I mean, don't get, don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy sexual touch and everything too. I, I enjoy it, it in, but it's just not this, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't fall into the same well, need. Well, and, that, and, and then the other problem that we ran into though, is because of that and because of not having that in a broad public setting, by the time we got to a point where we were intentionally, moving ourselves to a setting where we could. So IE uh, going to an LGBTQ campground yep. where he could feel comfortable enough in random strangers seeing us. And it's fine. Cause everyone there is gay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but by the time we got to doing that, I had to remove myself so far from wanting that and expecting that, yeah, that it, it kind of shut it same, off. Yeah. It didn't mean the same thing. As and that, have, but, yeah. but then that read to him as I was being distant because then in the settings where we should have been, I wasn't responding that yeah. way. Uh, and so it's just, it, and this is a really good reason why therapy 
is good. Yeah. <laughs> Not was... just as a couple, individually getting it as early as we can. Because yeah. a lot of those things, a lot of the things that you then shut off in yourself because you weren't getting it from your partner initially, were because of your partner's traumas and, yeah. and unresolved, undealt with traumas. Yeah. And so it was fine for you guys to be intimate and, and have those times alone, which is what he really wanted. But you weren't getting any of the stuff that you needed in public. And that's and like I struggled with that, too. That was a huge thing in, in my in my relationships last year was the like knowing that she loved me, knowing that she really wanted to be with me and knowing that she had painted this whole future for us. But she literally could not act it out in public because she was so deep in her fears from her childhood trauma. And that's ongoing because she still has that family, you know. The worst part now is we're still, so ultimately we are still on talking terms. We are still friends with each other. You know, we agree. Ah, blanket falling down. (laughs) Technical difficulties that aren't quite technical. Um, You know, like we're still, we're in an amicable place with each other. But the really bittersweet thing now is figuring all these things out when he's now finally getting the help, but I don't have the mental or emotional bandwidth to be a partner to him anymore. You know, and it's, it sucks because there's so many hindsight realizations now and we're both having them and it's just, it's, it makes it so, so friggin' hard because again, there's, there hasn't been a definitive cutoff. We're still in each other's lives. Now, granted, we've we've made some efforts to try and separate ourselves yeah. as best as we can. But, like, I had to... One of the, the worst things for me was he had already made plans to finally come out to his brother. Mm-hmm. Which was huge. Yeah. Because literally the only person in his family who knew was his aunt that lived with him. Yeah. And otherwise, he had shut off the rest of his family. He had pushed away most of the friends out of his life. And and that was the other problem, too, was that he didn't have a support system. No. Yeah. So he finally made this decision to talk to his brother, but he had made it, like, before we started having talks and before things started to rapidly deteriorate yeah. between the two of us, which meant that his brother already knew that, like, something heavy was up. And he had already laid that framework. So literally the day after... We talked all night and and made the decision to not be together. He was seeing his brother to talk about him and he talk about this. And he called me later that day and said, hey, I'm supposed to get together with him now. Can you please come with? Because in the off chance that it goes bad, I don't want to face that alone. And of course I was going to go with him because there isn't bad feelings and I want to support him. I still want him to get the help and support. And I remember how scary something like that was and I could only ever through the entirety of our relationship imagine what that fear would have been like if I had to carry it for another 30 years yeah like that's that's a lot yeah that and like my heart bleeds for him on that mm-hmm. it really does and it, I like it's part of what allowed me to have as much compassion and understanding as I did for it because I I could imagine what that would be like and i do remember that fear of like coming out to my own family and like having that talk with my mom and i mean i've joked about how it ended now and it's fine (laughs) in retrospect 
In retrospect, coming out to his brother was fine. He came out to his brother and his sister-in-law, and they both totally accepted him. For me, though, he wasn't ready to tell them in the same breath. And I can't fault him for this in a million years. How do you look and come out to your brother and then say in the same breath, oh, by the way, my support system here is my ex who I literally just broke (laughs) up with last night. Like, no, that's... That is a lot to process. So I had to sit there the following day and still pretend to be his boyfriend and hear him refer to me as his partner. And when all was said and done, he was on this euphoric rush, this sigh of relief, which like after 30 plus years of holding this shit in, yeah, that's, that emotion's going to be intense And I kept telling him, I was like, hang on to that feeling. Remember what that feels like, because that's going to drive you for the rest of the time that you do this. And then in the same swing, he wanted to go out to the park and have dinner together. And I had to put my foot down and say, we can't. I can't. We literally just said last night that we can't do this. And I know that you're on this euphoric rush right now. And I hate to have to be the one to put any sort of a, a, a rain on that parade but I can't. And that was hard. That was really fucking hard to have to do. But it also took immense strength to do that. Because, I mean, I gave my ex a second chance when she did this. Right? And then it actually ended up worse in the end. Because she started doing the work. She started going to you know, therapy and, and things were getting a little bit better. And then and then something fell apart in her life. Her grandma got really sick and... and ended up passing away and and it completely uprooted it. it was one of those things where like yes i could maybe wait this out i could maybe but i have nothing left at this point and that was just it is i i had nothing left and and that was that was the second conversation that day and again it wasn't until our third conversation which happened about a week after the fact where i finally managed to allow myself to acknowledge that he had hurt me yes And that was hard because you don't want to think of the person that you love hurting you. Oh my god. I had friends tell me that my relationship was at a point where it was toxic. And I could see it. And that one hurt my pride because after all of my years of helping friends with their relationships, that like I figured of anyone, I would be able to see a toxic relationship (laughs) coming. Not when we're in it. (laughs) No. No, you are so blind. You cannot see the forest through the trees. Oh, yeah. No, when they say love is blind, they absolutely... Like, there's a reason why they say that. It's, It's because, you know, we we become very attached to these to these people, even if they're wrong for us. And, you know, it's it's really hard to let the what if they got help and it got better, though, go. Right? Like, what if... And I have what watched him... What if we had him, met at a different time? You know, what I've, if... I've watched him since continue to make strides to better he's come out to other people in his life he's been on the phone with the counselor repeatedly they've got him started on medication we managed to have a conversation last week which where it when it got upsetting because he had a lazy eye and his lazy eye was always his tell when he got upset because his Mm -hmm. eyebrows would get twitchy and the eye would wander off a lot and yet we managed to have an entire conversation and even in being upset, his eye didn't waver once, mm-hmm. which was a physical indicator to me that he was making improvements. And it sucks mm-hmm. so much yeah. to sit here and see all of these things come through 
And it took me having to put my foot down and end our relationship yes. in order to drive it. And that's the biggest pain piece. That's the biggest hurt piece is the, I, you know, ultimately it does not matter in the end if you were ultimately a good person. And if ultimately I loved you because that piece is the really hurtful piece. That's the, how did it take us ending the relationship for you to finally get this help? And I have been begging and asking and, yeah. and, and pinpointing where you need help. And I'm asking you to be, to get it for so long. And, and it took, it took me ending things for you to finally be like, Oh shit. And that was the, like my ex did the same thing. It was, I ended the relationship after Vancouver initially and she came back and, 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 uh, you know, I think a week later actually I was sitting at your apartment and I got the text yeah. uh, and it was this long, very heartfelt text of, of, and I had almost blocked her. I had almost blocked her number so that I didn't have to deal with it. Right. And, and I got received this long text and it was, I'm really sorry. I hurt you. I can, I understand how it, how it happened. You know, I, I really want to get help. I have never been this heartbroken in my life. I have cried myself to sleep every day. I'm constantly crying. I told my mom that we were dating. I, you know, it was rocky, but it, I'm glad I did it. Like all of these things. And I was like, well, I'm going to regret not giving her a chance. And you know, like, but it was the, it was the, the fact that, you know, I think at the time I didn't really see it that way. I was like, well, you know, because we're also taught these notions that like people break up and then sometimes they get back together because the breakup made them realize that they were losing something good and blah, blah, blah. And we're taught that that's normal and not toxic, even though it, that, that is actually very toxic, yeah. just in general as a societal thing that we push. But yeah, I mean, it shouldn't get to the point where I've asked you to get help multiple times and you only get it because we broke up. That shouldn't be like, that hurts. That is a hurt piece. And it's hard when you really still care about the person and you really see the good in the person still to then sit there and, and, and take the time to acknowledge that they also caused you hurt. And, and I'm still dealing with this on my own, like from every, every relationship I've been in, you know, it's that yeah. like, I actually more recently have come to the realization that I was protecting somebody who caused me harm for a decade. Right. Like it's, uh, I, in, when I was in my undergrad in my first year, I fell in love with one of my professors. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very like slow little, like it, I didn't realize right away that that's what had happened, but I definitely formed a really intense attachment and bond to them. And it was, it's, I'm not, I'm not, you know, here to say what her feelings were in the end, but I know that there was like a noticeable intense emotional connection between the two of us. And that happened for five years it, 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 from my first year at Laurier, which was my second year of undergrad until my fifth year. And then when I graduated, I finally said, and, and she had known for several of those years, how I felt because I tried to end it beforehand for both of our sakes. And then she popped back into my life. She was contract staff. She popped back into my life and I went, okay, well, you know, my reasons for ending our contact aren't gone. And she was like, no worries. I don't think any differently of you. I really enjoy our chats. And I was like, what does that mean? And I continued to, to engage with her until I graduated and said, I, and I was like in crisis mode. I couldn't find a job. I had no answers from her. I didn't know what to do. I, you know, like I, and, and I finally sent her a letter and said like, look, I'm really grateful for everything that you've done, you know, in, in the, time that I've known you. I'm so grateful for you as a person. I'm so grateful for our connection. And also at some point along the line, I did fall in love with you. And I, do, I really need to know what you're going to say about that. Like, I need to know an answer. I need to know whether, no, absolutely not. Yes. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, like, I just want to be friends. We need to end contact. I literally laid it all out for her. 
and she could not give me an answer and instead she ghosted me and it was one of those like you know I protected her for a decade I it's actually something that very recently I've started thinking about because I so badly like I I I so badly did not want to believe that I had been in a situation where there was a power imbalance and you know, despite how lovely she was while we were getting to know each other and, and whatnot, she caused me immense pain. And I had to do that on my own. I had to recover from that on my own without any help, without any ability to talk it through, without any ability to like get some fucking answers from it. And I had to deal with that on my own. And I protected her for another five years on top of that. And that's, um, that's one of the worst things too, is when you're in these situations is being able to finally teach yourself and, and truly accept and believe that you're allowed to feel the hurt that you feel. Yes. You're allowed to acknowledge that that other person hurts you, even if you care about them. That's been one of the biggest things I have struggled with through the entirety of this yeah. is allowing myself because I spent even, even in the breakup, I spent so much time, worried and panicked about how he was doing and yeah. how he was handling yeah. things and still not allowing myself to truly feel my emotions. Yes. And the only thing yeah. that kept me through was that I told myself I need to set healthy boundaries yes. for myself. Yeah. And that was essentially the mantra that I had in my head. And it was the only reason I was able to turn him down because every time we talked subsequently, it was ripping the wound open again because he wanted to get back together. Yeah. Which and is, I wanted which, every, um, every fiber of my heart wanted that. And that's a piece that like, and I'm, I am going to be a little harsh and blunt. So if you are listening to this and do that, <laughs> I'm going to apologize in advance, but I, I mean this, that is unfair. <laughs> that is unfair to you. It is not Okay. Because you need to be able to give you need to be able to be given space to grieve. I understand that he is in a place of euphoria and he's, you know, trying to he's figuring himself out and he's doing this work and he's for the first time in his life he's actually getting these answers and, and feels really Huntley, you are not heartbroken. Get out of here. This is not a conversation for you. Um Yes I am, because my food bowl is only half full. Um my god. Anyway. But that like that is unfair to you. You know, it, it, regardless of, of all of the stuff that he is feeling right now and all of this, like he's finally feeling very liberated. He is not considering the fact that you ended this for a reason and that you need space to grieve. If there's room for it to get if you guys to get back together down the road when you've done this work and it works out great. I, 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 I'm not, you know, there's no way for us to know that, but, but he needs to give you space yeah and so i mean ultimately that's that's my message for for anyone listening yeah. to this if you are in a similar situation is that you need to put in the emotional effort and the mental effort to tell yourself that you're allowed to be upset you are allowed to be hurt if someone has hurt you and get through those feelings because the longer you hold on to them the harder it is to get past them oh yeah and i mean and I'll add, like, for, for everything that I've said about, you know, my ex, who, who the, this, not, not the ex-professor, the, the, the one who was uh, very similar. It's hard when I can't say names, but I'm not going to do that. Um, yeah, we're not but my people. No, my ex from, from last year, one of my ex from last year, is that she, you know, it, one of the most heartbreaking things was, was learning that 
especially in the past year since since we broke up that I understand why she's so traumatized. I saw it. I saw how her mother treats her. I saw how her family reacts and, and I like she is part of a dense network of abuse in her family yeah. and and she does not have the tools. <laughs> she also she lost a parent. Um, you know, like she does not have the tools to deal with this on her own and she might not get the help. And, you know, I recognize that she is actually a really lovely person and she really truly wanted that future she had painted for us. And that piece was something I kept holding on to, you know, what if she does this work? What if, but then in this past year, I've realized, you know, I, you know, like, yeah, I recognize that she's a lovely human being and I really wish that I could still have her in my life. But she also really hurt me. Yeah. And that's the, it's so hard to, process, to continue to process that. I mean, recently, okay, so like a little anecdote for me, um, I've got something else that I want to talk about, but I'll, I'll, I'll say this first is that I'm currently, well, I mean, you guys have heard it. I, I call her a cute girl <laughs> currently, <laughs> but I'm, I'm dating this woman that I met online a couple months ago, a couple, maybe it feels like longer, but. Nah, it's definitely really only, only been a couple been months. A few months. This is why lesbians like U-Haul, because y'all think it's longer. <laughs> no, we're taking it slow. It's fine. But it just feels <laughs> like it's been longer because it's been really nice. But but it, it's actually one of the most secure things that I've felt that I've been in, which is funny because we both talk about being anxious, avoidant attachment styles, which I'll talk about the attachment styles in a moment. But so I this, this ex from the beginning of 2020, and then I ended up going through another relationship and, you know, at the end of the year or, you know, in the fall... Uh, where this person knew all of the trauma that I had just been through. They knew that I had just been through a really shitty situation. They knew the whole story. They knew everything leading up to it and whatnot. And they still chose not to be honest with me when their feelings had changed. And they actually broke up with me on... Well, I think I ranted about that when we first started this podcast because I was freshly single. But uh, they broke up with me on Christmas Eve because they were so fucking chicken. Like, they were just so afraid to make, to hurt me that they decided, well, if I do it at a distance, I don't have to deal with it. Right. Like it, it was just, it was like, literally I sent her, I'm very prone to sending letters when I don't feel I've gotten enough closure, but, <laughs> but I sent her a letter and I sent it through Google drive. And I was like, you owe me reading this at least. And I sent it through Google drive so that I could know that she'd read it so that I wouldn't have that little, that's a little obsessive thing that I do sometimes. But <laughs> it was this little, like, at least then I know that she's seen it. Right. And then I don't have to be like, did she ever read it? Did she? And I sent it to her. And there was one point in it where I was like, literally from the bottom of my heart, when you knew, when you knew that I liked Christmas and I was going to be in Christmas, spending Christmas alone and you, and like, and I had asked you not to make decisions for this relationship without me. And I had just put us on this break, to like figure out what was going on. And you could not be honest with like truly from the bottom of my heart. Fuck you. <laughs> so that was its own situation. That was a whole like, I went from this one relationship where, it, you know, if she had just been able to do some of that trauma work, it could have worked out. In hindsight, I actually think that less now. But at the time, that's how I felt. So like two months later, meeting this other woman who like really tried to prove to me that she, that I could trust her. And I finally come around and she knows the whole story. And then she gets avoidant and fucks off kind of thing. So, you know, half a year later, I have met this, I have met cute girl on online and we just we were chatting for a while first and then when we finally met in person it just felt really really easy and it's it's so interesting because like i'm not saying 
that this, you know, I don't want to presume that this will last forever, but it's really, really nice. And we're exploring it and taking it slow. And we're both in the same headspace that we both have dating trauma and we both have similar, she, for her, it's been with men. For me, it's been like, she is actually one of the person, people who said to me, you dated some really manipulative women. And I, and it's so funny how like all it took was me dating somebody new who I feel very secure around in a really weird way that I'm not used to um, being like, yeah, you dated manipulative women for me to be like, yeah, they were really manipulative actually. You know, it's so interesting. But that's just but, like, like it's night and fucking day. The mm-hmm. second you are with somebody yeah. or talking with someone who does have the same level of awareness as yes. you to trauma yes and that's and what that means that was literally the piece we started dating and and my dating profiles changed immediately like they they went to well i mean i didn't i didn't start the online dating thing right away afterwards but um because 2020 was just such a fucking garbage fire dumpster fire um for for me dating wise (laughs) it was in a lot of other ways too but like ultimately my life was not so bad last year if it weren't for the dating trauma that i was which is actually bad enough in itself. So I'm going to stop making excuses seen it that. coming, but you know, oh. hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> oh God. I hate that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, no, I had to get a bad pun in somewhere. But my dating profile has changed to be like, I am, I am neutral on nothing. I am like big activist. I'm a podcaster. I'm fatter and cuter in person. I'm, you know, like all of these different things. And I said, if you are not actively working on your traumas, we will not work. If you are not out to your family, we will not work. And it's not to say that you can't have your own process. I'm saying that I will need you to come out before you're ready. That's not fair to either of us. So like, no. And so my profiles were really specific and I matched with, I matched with cute girl. I'm not going to say her name because one, we're not officially in a relationship yet. And two, I have not gotten her consent for that. But so until further notice, she's cute girl, but (laughs) she is very cute. Uh, But she, she, uh, Oh yeah, you've met her. <laughs> I have, I have met her Briefly, now. But you've met her. Thank um, you, girl. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. It, it, one of the first things we talked about was trauma, and, and she said, you know, she actually said, you know, like I, I deal with uh, with family that can be really immature, and and I'm working through that. It's a trauma piece for me, and I'm still, you know, working through it. But it, I see a therapist and whatnot, and immediately my brain went, oh my god, you're seeing a therapist. You're actually trauma informed. So like, do I buy the ring like now or tomorrow? You know, like as a joke. And then I told her that I said this to a friend of mine, like, I don't know, a couple weeks after, maybe it was a week after I'd said it. Um, and, and she, and I said, ah, for legal reasons, this is a joke. And she laughed at me and went, I like your legal reasons. It's all good. Like, it was very cute. But also, didn't she say that she did the same fucking thing? Oh, she did. Yeah, she did the same <laughs> thing to, to her friend. It was funny. And like, we've just really fallen in line with very similar things because we have similar dating traumas. And I think, and we've, we've weirdly enough, we're being pretty secure with each other when we've usually been fairly anxious avoidant. And that's, that's really interesting. And it's so, it's so interesting for us because like when I have done this in previous relationships, as I, as I start, as we start to realize the places in which we're uncomfortable and you try to talk about it, it never fully feels resolved or the response like my, my ex from the end of 2020 was in school to be a therapist. And we, and I realized looking back on it afterwards that when I thought she was being sympathetic, she was actually being clinical. She was, she was treating me like a patient and Mm. in hindsight, that feels very gross, but whatever. But it, cute girl and I will talk about stuff. And we actually like, like we spent the weekend together a couple weekends ago, two weekends ago. Yeah. Time. I don't understand time anymore, but, um, and we had, like we had a really lovely first day and then the second day there was awkwardness and we had a conversation about it. And honestly, like 
through talking about it because we were able to both relieve our anxieties and our anxieties were very similar immediately we just felt better like and I immediately feel closer to her the moment we do that and it's it's so different from the past I don't feel like I'm having to cry for anything I don't feel like I'm slightly being talked down to I don't you know like there's none of that it's very even playing field and it's this like wild experience for me and I think for both of us like we've both said that and uh but what's interesting is you know in thinking about that I'm thinking a lot about attachment styles and uh, I'll bring up this like what I said I was going to around attachment styles this book called attached and it's the new science of adult attachment and how it can help you find and keep love it's by Amir Levine MD and Rachel S.F. Heller MA um it's a book that has red writing on it and two like magnets in the shape of a heart maybe maybe we'll put a picture of it yeah, with the I'll put thing a, this week yeah I'll put a picture of it because considering and, that you uh, just went to go and hold up the book to the camera that's not on I saw you start to do that <laughs> I'm in presentation mode. Shut up. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But the book talks about how, you know, when we talk about like childhood attachment styles that we develop from, from kids, that actually carries on into adulthood. So if we had, uh, if we had an insecure attachment style, so like anxiously attached or avoidantly attached to a parent, or we had an avoidant parent or whatever, um, that then manifests and becomes a part of who we are and a part of our attachment style later on. And that really affects relationships. And so it talks about the three main types. There's anxious, there's anxious attachment style. There's avoidant attachment style. And then there's secure. There's also of course, combinations of those. And if you are one of the quote unquote insecure attachment styles, you can become more secure if you find a secure partner, or if you find a, partner who makes you feel secure and so that's there's a lot of nuance to it. i do highly recommend the book i will post a photo of it when we like on on thursday um but uh but one of the things it talks about that i thought was really interesting and i've actually been thinking about it a lot recently in comparison to like previous relationships i read this in at the end of 2019 when i started dating my ex from the beginning of 2020 because we had been friends for years and i kept saying no to her and i kept being really avoidant about it and in hindsight, I know that I was actually seeing red flags in the friendship and really needed to be convinced that she had worked on those. And she did convince me she'd worked on them. And then we found out she hadn't. She was just very good at convincing both herself and me that she had done that work. Um, but, you know, I, I, I was being really avoided. And my, and my sister was the one who was like, I think you should read Attached. I think it's like, I, I think you should understand Attachment Styles and read it. And it's one of the things that made me feel more, more secure and like finally entering that relationship. But when it talks about secure relationships for those who are anxious, specifically for those who are anxiously attached. Now, I am traditionally an anxiously avoidant attachment style. So I both have anxious attachment style and avoidant attachment style. It really depends on which relationship and and how secure I feel and, and whatnot. But I will start off avoidant. I usually start off incredibly avoidant because I don't trust you. So I will keep my distance. I'll be really weird about intimacy. I will take, you know, a month or two to kiss you, uh, you know, like all of these things where I'm just like, I need to make sure I can trust you and that you're not going to run, whatever. And then I, once they've convinced me that I can trust them, I then flip into anxious, which is interesting that I trust them and now I'm anxious, but it then be, I get the fear of losing them. Right. And so then I flip. So it's, and what's interesting is that like cute girl is also traditionally anxious avoidant, which is why both of us have been really struggling. One of the conversations we, we had actually this weekend we were running around doing some errands is we were talking in the car about how like 
it's weird. And I mean, this is this is her first experience dating a woman. She's traditionally dated men. She's bisexual. She's traditionally dated men. Um, and but both of us are having this experience where it's like, hmm, this feels very normal, but I don't feel the butterflies, and that feels weird to me. Um, and I've talked to a few friends about it and not in an anxious way. Like I'm not like, but, but I, I don't feel the butterflies. Like I usually would. I'm actually really calm about it. I'm like, it's weird. Cause I like her and I know I like her, but I also don't feel that. So that feels like a disconnect. And I've had a few friends go like the butterflies are anxiety. Like when you meet somebody who's actually really good for you, you don't feel those in the same way. And, uh, and we were talking about it cause, cause she, cause girl actually said like, um, that she was feeling the same thing. She's like, it's, and I also likened it to like not being able to connect what's in my head to my body. Like I don't feel it in my body in the way that I feel, you know, it's, but I actually think it's more the, the butterflies thing. Like I don't feel that. So I feel like this is wrong, but at the same time, I don't feel like it's wrong because it feels so right. You know, it's, it's hard to like wrap your head around. We've both been having the same thing. And she said, you know, it's really weird because you feel like a friend. Like I would actually be really upset if you were not in my life anymore. You feel like a really good friend and yet I'm attracted to you. She's like, that's so weird. And I was like, ha, welcome to dating women. <laughs> But it really did make me think about this, this passage in Attach, where it talks about, you know, how an anxious attachment style can become uh, more secure and end up in a better relationship. And it said, um, it says at one point, give secure people a chance. The abundance, uh, the abundance philosophy loses its effectiveness if you fail to recognize a keeper when you find one. Once you've recognized someone you've met as, a, as secure, remember not to make impulsive decisions about whether he or she is right for you. Remind yourself that you might feel bored at first. After all, there is less drama when your attachment system isn't activated. Give it some time. Chances are, if you are anxious, you will automatically interpret calmness in the relationship as a lack of attraction. <laughs> Interesting. A habit, a habit of years is not easy to shed, but if you hold out a little longer, you may start to appreciate a calm attachment system and all the advantages it has to offer. And even as I'm reading it now, I'm going, yeah, like it's because one of the things with, with anxious and avoidant and anxious avoidant, those butterflies and that like very intense can't live without you feeling that comes on. That's like very, a very physical reaction that we have to it comes from the fact that we do not understand that person's attachment style. So a lot of the time, anxious people end up with avoidant people because avoidant people are interesting and they're, and they're exhilarating, but they're also really hard to be with because they're, you're always chasing them. That was my, that was the, the intense emotional relationship I had with my professor. That was my relationship with my, you know, people in 2020 it's it, like it, it's very much that like it had that intensity because there were always things I was chasing and things that I didn't have now all of a sudden I'm dating somebody who we just inherently seem to understand each other and have the same need for conversation the same need to talk it out the same need for honesty and transparency and and so the moment that we talk about it it's all of a sudden like oh I feel so much like immediately better whereas before we I would talk about it with exes and I would feel like somewhat better but also a little unsure about it because he never knew where they were at with it yeah never 100 and even with my ex from the end of 2020 when i look back on it i thought i felt better afterwards but i was still sharing it with friends being like oh my god look at this and it did feel really clinical whereas actually my friends have noticed that i'm doing a lot less of that with them like i'm doing a lot less of like oh, she said this what do you think instead i'm just sharing it and be like look isn't this cute mm did you see this she said this is really cute instead of being like what do you think of this does this seem normal to you just you know like 
And that's huge for me. It's yeah. almost like I feel like I'm becoming more secure just because my needs are being met in a way that I've never known before. And that's really interesting. Um, and so it's, I think like, anyway, I thought this was really interesting and I wanted to share it while we're talking about relationships because it all comes back down to, again, like ultimately a lot of these issues that we have in relationships, one, they come from the fact that not all of us are meant to be together and that's fine. <laughs> but but two, I think a lot of the things for people that could actually do well together but, but really struggle, a lot of these things come down to our attachment styles, which comes down to our trauma pieces, which comes down to our childhood, which comes down to if we do not, as human beings, get help early on in our lives, we are going to struggle so hard with human relationships of any kind because yeah. we either put ourselves backwards to support somebody else or we take up too much space because we don't know how to deal with or process our own emotions. And that creates this anxious avoidant environment where we don't necessarily feel like we can trust somebody or we trust somebody too much. And then we're afraid to lose them. And it's, it's so interesting linking this now that I've read this and now that I've done trauma work since reading this, I see trauma in everything. I'm and listening to just the little bit you got in there and I'm going, yeah. Jesus fuck, you were spelling out my relationship. Yeah. Can we not? <laughs> yeah, I, know. Um, I know. I know. This, honestly, <laughs> though, honestly, this book is, I highly recommend this book. It is pretty, it is incredible. Um, like, obviously, we have to take everything with a grain of salt because people make relationships work regardless. But I do think that a lot of us have made relationships work traditionally off of perpetuating our own traumas. And it just so happens that we find somebody who, who has same type of drama or perpetuates a different trauma or whatever. But when we read, when I, whenever I read this book and whenever I read passages of this book, I'm always reminded of how fucking accurate it has been for my relationship experience. Yeah. And while we're in the same scope too, uh, and talking about talking with friends about mm -hmm. your partner, one of the things that also was problematic in my relationship was that he didn't enjoy the fact that I would reach out and talk to Bronwyn or talk to Aaron mm -hmm. when we were having troubles because I needed people to unspin my brain yeah, which and is... he didn't have that support system, yeah. which then ended up feeling like it was held against me. Yes. And it wasn't until pretty much the final breakdown of our relationship when he started to bring it up again, because we had spent a week kind of thinking about things and I had talked mm -hmm. with Bronwyn within that week and a few other friends and he started in on it and I finally put my foot down and I said, no, you do not get to make me feel guilty for having a support system. And that goes both ways for either yes. what, what other side of the fence our listeners happen to be sitting on one, do not guilt your partner for having a support system. Don't guilt your partner for things, period. Yeah. Guilt is a manipulative yes, tactic, and whether or not you are doing it intentionally, no. that's just is what it is. And on the other side of it is, if you feel like your partner does have problems with you having support systems, speak up about it. Yeah. Because there is nothing wrong or unhealthy with it. And sometimes, I mean, in my case, it was a very obvious they they did not have this yeah and therefore they thought it was wrong that may or may not be the case for everybody mm -hmm. but having a support system is an inherently good thing and whether that's one or two close friends whether that's a therapist anything yeah. 
you need a support yes. system. Like we, uh, as Bronwyn has pointed out, we live in a really, really heavily trauma-based society right now. Yep. Everyone's got it. And that's, and that's just like, you would be stupid to think you're going to go into any relationship without finding someone who's got some sort of baggage right now. Mm-hmm. The question is, how do they deal with it? Yes. And what steps they are taking to manage it. Yes. And are they going to shut me out of that? Like one of the things that I came out of both my 2020 relationships with. And one of the things that now in hindsight, I can credit my previous relationship, the one that ended in 2019, even though that was frustrating because she always heard things in what I said that I hadn't said and then didn't talk to me about it. She was also very honest with me that she had trauma. And that's a piece that I don't, that I think I took for granted at the time. And now I really appreciate, but my two exes of 2020, like, where was I going with that? What were we talking about? <laughs> this happens all the time. I, I mean, again, we made it almost to the end of the episode. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> I literally, Friends, literally just, like, support systems. Um, I don't remember where I was going, but what I will say is <laughs> my, you know, my ex from the beginning of 2020, she also doesn't have a support system. She was actually designed, her parent, her mom designed her life that way. Like, if you grew up in a narcissistic environment with a narcissistic parent of any any kind, they very often try to curate your your life so that you don't have support systems, so that you always have to keep coming back and always need... So your, your, your friendships end up often being really surface level and you don't feel like you can have major connections with people, which is then jarring when you date somebody or or become really close to somebody who does have a huge network of support system. I have a huge support system. I do not take that for granted. I am so fucking grateful for my support system, but I have also spent years of my life building up a support system. Now, to be fair, I have the privilege of always having a mom and a dad that I can go to regardless of what situation I'm in with them, regardless of whether we're fighting with something or not. If I go to them and say my relationship ended and I'm really struggling or I'm really depressed, they're going to be there for me. And that is a privilege that, you know, people like your ex and my ex and whatnot don't have. And I, I understand that. But and and that has paved the way for me to be able to develop that level of trust with other people. Like, I absolutely understand that my support system as it is, is based in privilege. I absolutely get that. But it is so important for everybody to develop some sort of support system, whether it is one other friend or multiple other people or a therapist or whatnot. There needs to be another support system because you absolutely cannot guilt somebody for having a support system. You you can't lean on a singular pillar and expect that pillar to be able to hold everything, especially when you have... Sorry. A lot to pile on that point. pillar. <laughs> it came back. I'll let you it have came it. came back. I'll let Sorry. You Quickly before I lose it again. Piece of my both my exes in, in 2020 that I really struggled with was they both had significant traumas. I think one was one was less realized than the other, um, and it wasn't who you'd think it would be. But the but the issue was that when their traumas became more prevalent in their life, they would shut me out of them. And and all I have ever asked from people is. Yes, I have more capacity for people's other people's traumas because I don't have as much of it on my own. Absolutely. That is a privilege of mine. I'm not expecting that we're going to get together and you're not going to have traumas. We all we are all inherently traumatized. I just ask that you don't shut me out because that is one of the most painful things. And this is something I think you can really relate to is when you date somebody who has a lot of intense trauma and you try to make a lot of space for them, one of the most heartbreaking things and one of the hardest pieces one of the most hurtful things and is 
is being shut out of that trauma. Like, I care about you so much. And instead of accepting that care from me, you are shutting me out. And that was a piece that I still have a hard time wrapping my head around, which is why my dating profiles now say, must be trauma informed, must not shut me out of your traumas. (laughs) And, And speaking of traumas, and in the same relation to everything we've said here as well boundaries healthy boundaries are important and are not simply limited to friends or your significant other setting healthy boundaries with your family is also important my mother and i are currently going through me setting healthy boundaries right now and she still doesn't know that i've broken up with my significant other and that's a conversation we'll have somewhere down the line but no one, mm-hmm. no one in your life gets to guilt you no. into feeling a certain way or maintaining a certain level of the relationship with them. Yeah. You have to set healthy boundaries. Yeah. And that's just, it's across the board in your life. And I can't stress the importance of this enough. Before we wrap this up, and if you've listened all the way through this, sorry. <sighs> My ex, if you're listening to this, I want you to know how much of a piece of my heart you still have. And we may not be together, but I'm here to love and support you in the best ways that I can right now. And I might need time to heal, but I want you to please, please understand that I do still very much love you. It may not be as your significant other, but that doesn't change it. And that's that's about where I'm going to leave that, because... Relationships are long and complicated, and it's yeah. it's not easy. It's not easy when you don't have a clean break and when there is still feelings yeah. on both sides. So it's uh, it is what it is right now. But uh, if you guys want a good read, we will be posting that book Bronwyn mentioned yeah. on our socials alongside our usual announcement. Which, if you're not following already, <laughs> you can head on over to Instagram at Sibling Rants and on Facebook or Facebook page Sibling Rants and on Twitter at Sibling Rants Pod. And of course, if you ever want to ask us questions, you have, if you have relationship things you want yeah. us to talk about and break down, fire us an email, siblingrants Absolutely. at gmail.com. Yeah. And I'll be less nice. Where are reviews? I'm just <laughs> no, as always, uh, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you listen through Apple or on Facebook. Uh, it's really easy to leave a review there as well. It takes about you know thirty seconds or less. You can either just hit the star ratings, or we would love to hear what you think about about the podcast. And leaving a little kind of blurb for us would be awesome. It helps us out. It helps our ratings, and uh, it helps us keep this extended family going, which we're really really grateful for. So, I'm really grateful um, for my extended family. Yeah, because that's what we're calling y'all now. So exactly because we're siblings, but not. So you're our extended family. <laughs> exactly. That's just how and, these things uh, go. Not that I had to explain that to them. I'm sure they all got it. But, you know. <laughs> but um, we're gonna explain it anyways. Yeah. We can. And then for those okay. who have been listening, that was my nice. That was my nice version. And then for those those of you who've been listening from the beginning, what are you doing? Yeah. Leave, leave us a review. I'm heartbroken here, literally <laughs> right now. I'm an anxious avoidance. Uh, I literally avoidance just said. Style. You are making me anxious. I, li- I literally just said no one can guilt you as I sit here and try to guilt Yeah, them yeah, no, we're literally guilt tripping people. But you know what? This is the this is the exception. Uh, yeah, we'll make headspace for this one time. But yeah, uh, be well, friends. Take care of yourself mentally and emotionally. And thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you for kind of putting up with me as I literally 
out loud kind of work, <laughs> continue to work my way through the end That's of my okay. relationship here. And uh, we're sorry we made you wait for an extra week to get That's this episode, okay. but... Here, here's the thing. It's been a go. <laughs> One, this is our podcast, we do what we want. But nicely, what I will say <laughs> I is... And do what I want. I set those boundaries. I'm not releasing a podcast last week. <laughs> anyway. Um, but the thing I will say is, like, we have also designed this to be an open conversation. One of the one of the biggest things we do see from people who have left reviews and people who have sent us, you know, messages about it is the biggest comment is it's like sitting in a bar and listening to friends have really important conversations. And we've, we wanted this podcast to be like that. Like, yeah, yeah it's sibling rants and I rant a lot, but, like, <laughs> but it's also like, sometimes those rants are really sentimental and really important because we need to be able to talk about relationships. I mean, this is such human relationships are literally the hardest fucking thing we ever do because we are all inherently traumatized. Thanks capitalism. I blame you and white supremacy. Blame you too. <laughs> but like, you know, like, we are all so traumatized and we are all still living in a world that is so deeply against getting help and so deeply against actually promoting therapy and actually, you know, supporting people getting mental health support because it's still too expensive and accessible for a lot of people. So human relationships are fucking hard. And a lot of the time, human relationships that feel like they're going well can turn on a dime because of the trauma piece that comes up. And okay, Huntley, yes, you're traumatized too. You know, like it's, and I think it's really important that we, that we also have these types of more, more serious conversations. I mean, all of our conversations are serious, but more, I guess, like sentimental serious conversations, because I think it's so relevant. I think a lot of people can relate to these things. Huntley's like, I don't relate. Feed me. Oh, (laughs) Huntley is having none of this. She She's, just hissed so hard at her brother. She's <laughs> right over but it. She's like, don't touch me. Um, she's uh, she's an avoidant attachment style. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> she's my daughter. Um, I, I think but... that's probably about the best place to wrap it up then. <laughs> yeah, it is. But, but anyway, so we yeah. hope you guys enjoyed it. And we hope for anybody that can relate, we've been there. We're currently there. Um, sorry, not sorry if I made any of you cry along with me. Uh, hey, no. <laughs> Emotions are good. Crying is good. Crying is... Um, I've done a lot of that over the past couple yeah, weeks. Yeah, if anybody Fuck. else has stories that you want to share, like Andrew said, send us an email because I think these things are really great to talk about, so... I agree. I'm going to go feed Huntley now. And I'm going to go the fuck to bed because <laughs> 5 o'clock is going to come far too early. Yeah, so is. we'll see you all next week. All right. Bye. Bye.